Okay, we've been in a series that is called Free Indeed, and it's been based on a verse in John 8, 36 that says, uh, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. This is God's plan for us, that he wants us to be free. But the reality is sometimes we don't walk in that freedom that Jesus has won for us. Um, Sometimes we get a little bit confused about the difference between sovereignty and control. Um, Sometimes we have this mentality that says, "Well, well, God, you are sovereign, so therefore everything that happens in my life is under your control. That's not true. That's not the case. That God gives us some freedom to make some choices. Um, let's put it like this. Uh, let's imagine uh, the queen is, is really a, a proper queen where she is sovereign. Obviously in this country, she is not sovereign. It's uh, UKIP at the moment. They are, they are sovereign in uh, the, or, or the UK IP. That's what I call them. Anyway, so... Um, so let's just imagine that, that the queen has some, some powers and she is sovereign, okay? Now, if we're living in a country where, where we have a king or a queen who is sovereign, not everything that happens in that country is under the control of the, the king or queen. Would you agree? Is that, is that too deep for some of you? Yeah, is that fine? Fine on the left? Fine on the right? Fine in the middle? Yeah, we're all nodding our heads. Okay, so so we say, you know, God, you are sovereign, and uh, we, you know, we are saying ultimately, God, in the grand scheme of things, your creation and everything that you have made comes under your authority. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everything that happens in the world or even in our lives is under God's control. That if we go down a path where we are not submitting to God, where we're surrendering to other things, that that can bring restriction, it can bring bondage, and we can be in need of deliverance. Now, I want to um, take John 8, this, this little passage that um, John eight thirty six, and, and sort of put it in context. Um, there are three parts of your Bible that are not inspired, okay? Okay, the contents page, the maps in the back. The Apostle Paul didn't draw the maps in the back. You do know that, don't you? When, when you got your little missionary journey of Paul, his first missionary journey, he didn't get out his iMac in prison and do a little Photoshop of a map, okay? Somebody else drew the map. That's number two that's in your Bible that's not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Number three is your chapters and verses, Okay, so some dude at some point thought it'd be helpful for us because there's so much Bible to have some chapter and verses that when we say, can we now turn to John chapter 8, you can all get out your Bibles, your real Bibles, your fake Bibles, your iPhones, all that sort of stuff, and we can look at that together. But those chapter and verse references weren't put there by John. Yeah? Are we with me on the left? Yeah, yeah. With me on the right? I'm really not sure about you guys in the middle of the moment, but we'll just press on. Okay, so, so when, we, when we quote a verse like, Whom the sun sets free, you will be free indeed. 
we need to put that into context, okay? And that's what we're going to try and do this morning. So grab your Bible, open it up to John 8, and we're going to read a few verses from John chapter 8 that put this verse into context. Sometimes I think that the Bible is a little bit, you know that thing of um, blind man and elephant? That sometimes, you know, you, you have a number of blind man, uh, uh, men around an elephant and they're all sort of trying to describe what they're touching. Yeah, and, they, and one man says, well, you know, I, I can feel the feet and they think that's the whole elephant. I think sometimes Bible study is a little bit like that, that, you know, I mean, I, I've had a bit of a wrestling match this week with this, this uh, passage. Anybody ever feel like that? You're wrestling with the word of God? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure who's won. You can tell me at the end. Hopefully I haven't won, but the Holy Spirit has won. Um, but, but sometimes what I'm saying is you need to understand the whole thing. That sometimes we can, we can latch onto one single verse and we can make that our whole philosophy, our whole doctrine, when we need to understand there's a bigger context that that one verse is put into. So here are a few verses here. Why did Jesus make this statement so if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Well, John eight thirty one says this. To the Jews who had believed him. Let's just remember that. To the Jews who had believed him. These are not people who are absolutely against everything that is, Jesus is saying. But he's saying to the Jews who had believed him. Jesus said this. If you hold to my teaching. In some translations it says, if you abide in my teaching. What it's saying there is if you continue to pursue me, if you continue to listen to me, obey me, this is something that is ongoing. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him. Now this is one of the most craziest statements in the word of God okay bear in mind who is saying this Jewish people okay Jewish people are now saying this we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone how can you say Jesus that we shall be set free wow what were we talking about a couple of weeks ago pride we might just revisit that in a a few moments Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you this. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now again, uh, what the original language is saying there, everyone who is committed to a sin. Everyone, we would say everyone who has a habit of sin. Uh Uh-oh. It's gone a little bit quiet now, okay? Everyone who has a habit of sin is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You see, we were all excited a moment ago when I said that verse. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. It sounds great, doesn't it? Now we've gone a little bit quieter when we've understood a little bit of the context. 
Here's the first thing I want to say this morning about this passage. I think it's in your notes if you've got your notes in front of you. Deceived people deny the need for deliverance. Deceived people deny the need for deliverance. Here was a bunch of people and they were totally deceived, probably because of their pride, that they said to Jesus, Jesus, the Jewish people, wow, what are you talking about, this whole thing of freedom? You're on the wrong page, Jesus. We don't need freedom because we have never, ever been enslaved. Really? So there was a couple of things that these people had not done. The first thing they had not done was watch the film Prince of Egypt, okay? They had not seen the Prince of Egypt because if they had watched the Prince of Egypt, they would have understand that a long time ago, their great, 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 great granddaddy was a slave in a place called Egypt. And there was a man called Moses who rode around on a, on a horse and chariot and made mess of it. No, that didn't really happen in the Bible. Okay, but do you see what I'm saying? The second thing, obviously, they hadn't done is listen to Boney M. Yeah? By the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, and there we wept as we remembered Zion. See, now we've got a real divide in the church. We've got those under the age of 60 who were singing it. I had to YouTube at the songs. I, I didn't know this, okay? Okay. A while ago, a while ago, there was a, there was a band called Boney M. Okay, not particularly a great name. But um, anyway, they sang a song which is based on um, Psalm 137, I believe, which talked about the, the Israelites being in captivity in a place called Babylon. So they sat down by the river apparently and they wept because they remembered Jerusalem. They remembered freedom. So they, they, you know, they hadn't done two things at least. I mean, the, the really crazy thing is that they are making this statement whilst they are under occupation. <laughs> that they are living under Roman rule. And they're saying, Jesus, let's talk about freedom and deliverance. Why do we need it, Jesus? Because we're free. They're not even free right at the point they're saying it. You know, sometimes we really overestimate how spiritual we are, don't we? In fact, we do this in all sorts of areas. We can overestimate our abilities. A few weeks ago, um, I was chatting to a young man and I just sort of said to him, I said, let's have a game of squash. And um, you won't believe it, but this young man, I won't tell you who he is because I don't want to shame and embarrass him this morning, okay? But what I say is his, his name rhymes with bike. Bike apple, okay? But I don't, I don't, I don't want to tell you, I don't want to tell you who he is, okay? And this young man, I mean, I just wanted to get together with him to sort of mentor him a little bit, and I thought I'd, I'd teach him a little bit of squash, you know, because I play a lot of squash. And um, the trash talk that was coming back from bike apple, it was amazing. I mean, here's one text, just one text to read out this morning. Um, he, he was clearly, clearly worried that as an old man, 
um, that's me, um, that I should make sure that I should play early enough in the evening because he said this. Well, if you play earlier, then it gives you time for Audrey and the kids to still bathe your beaten wounds after the game. And enough time to still take your nightly pills and put your false teeth into soak. I mean, you know, we, we may just say this morning that there's a man who's living in deception. But he needs some freedom. And uh, we will get to that. I'm injured at the moment because I overestimated my ability. Because, uh, you know, my, my cars are getting really tight and I just thought I could run on the court as a 41-year-old and I was playing somebody else. So I'm not able to play him yet. But I'll tell you how that goes, that, that game with the anonymous bike chapel. Ma- Apple. Oh, no. I give, sorry, I gave it away there. Sorry. You know, because of our pride and because of our arrogance, we, we can be like these people that we tend to overestimate our spirituality. And I think there may be some people who, who are here this morning that as we've been talking about deliverance and this sense of the enemy getting influence in our lives, that your response has been, me? Deliverance? I've never been enslaved. I'm certainly not enslaved now. I don't need Deliverance. And I want to say, be careful. Be careful. Jesus here makes a statement. If, if you have an habitual habit in your life, try and say that. Is that, is that even English? No? Habitual habit. Is that, is that proper English? Yeah, is it? Seems like I'm repeating myself there. Habitual. Anyway, if you've got something you do over and over again that is not good, that is sinful, he is saying you are a slave to sin. That sounds serious to me. When you're a slave, you need deliverance. We tend to point the finger, don't we? I mean, especially in this area of of addictions. We're very slow to admit that we have addictions. You know, we point our fingers at the person who is, you know, taking crack cocaine and saying, you know, you have an addiction in your life. And if you're taking crack cocaine, we'll get to the end of the sermon. It's going to be all right. And what I'm doing here is I'm not pointing the finger at you if you're taking crack cocaine. What I'm saying is we all have our own crack cocaines. But we tend to point the finger at people, you know, crack cocaine, addict. But this evening we'll go on eBay and we'll buy a whole load of rubbish that we don't need to fill a house that is already full of rubbish, of stuff that we don't need. Maybe put it into storage. What is storage all about? I've never quite got my head around storage. I mean, what, what is the big deal with storage? Yellow storage. I mean, how do these people make any money? It's because... We have some addicts in our society. And their addiction may not be crack cocaine. They may be enslaved to stuff. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, that's, that's not an addiction, Gareth. That's an issue. No, the crack cocaine addict. Me, I just have an issue. I just, I just have a weakness. It's just an area of weakness. Come on. You've had that area of weakness for 25 years. 
and you haven't been able to break it, Jesus wants to come and he wants to set you free. You know, the road to freedom first starts with knowing that you are enslaved, yeah? If, I don't, if you don't need help, then you're going to be struggling with that thing for the next 25 years. But deliverance and freedom begin with a place of humility that says, oh, Jesus, yeah, you're talking about deliverance. Man, that's me. Because I'm an addict. I'm an addict. You know, I, I, don't, I don't get to sleep much, Jesus, because I'm a workaholic. Is that, again, that's a strange word, isn't it? Workaholic. Because I get alcohol, alcoholic, but workaholic? Is there such a thing as workahole? There isn't, is there? Anyway, that's the way my brain works. Anyway, we'll carry on. Um, you know, some people, you know, you, you, you can't sleep because, because you're stressed out. Stress and worry is your addiction. Some people, you're sleeping too much because you have an addiction that is called laziness. It may be a sexual addiction. Maybe lust. Maybe food. What I'm saying is, we're all in the same boat here. Yes, Jesus wants me to be free. But you know what? Sometimes because of my choices, because of some of the things that you know, I do, I walk down this, this, this pathway that, that brings me to a place where I'm enslaved. It's interesting here that when we talk about slavery, um, we tend to conjure up in our mind this thing of sort of, you know, North American slavery and people being taken from Africa against their will and put into, you know, another country and beaten and flogged. Well, that, that's not always the biblical picture of slavery. A better translation probably here is, is the word bondservant. Um, what used to happen is that if you were in a financial difficulty and you weren't able to pay back a debt, what would happen is, is that you would give yourself in service to the person that you owed money to and you would be their bondservant. And actually the Bible declared that after seven years, you were set free. So actually this, this, this thing of slavery, there's a thought there that actually this was, this was a choice wasn't something that you know you were taken against your will and put into slavery, but actually you made your choice to become a slave, a bondservant in these times. And I find that interesting because I think we become enslaved because we make poor choices. It's not just that the enemy comes one day and he captures us as a thief and then he enslaves. No, it's because of the choices that we make. So I'm saying, first of all, let, let's not overestimate how, how free we are. If you're struggling with stuff, there could be a possibility that you need deliverance. Here's the th second thing I want to say, because these people did something really interesting. And I think, again, this might be in your notes, and this may answer the, the little gaps here. Do you sprinkle Jesus... Or are you pickled in him? Do you sprinkle Jesus or are you pickled in him? These people, they were sprinklers, okay? They had a little bit of religion in their life, a little bit of understanding. And I think the way they attacked 
This whole conversation was, do you know what, Jesus? You know, we're, we're, we're Jewish people. We have a heritage. We are Abraham's children. And because of that, basically, you know, we're okay. And they sprinkled a little bit of religion upon their lives. There was a product called Sensor. Don't need to put up your hand, but has anybody heard of Sensor? Sensor was a, a weight loss program that basically um, you, you bought Sensor and it was a little packet. And the way it worked was you, you took Sensor and you sprinkled it on anything you wanted to eat. I'm not joking. You can go away and Google it this afternoon, okay? Don't go away and buy it. That's not why I'm saying it now. It's an illustration for the sermon. Okay. So literally, you know, in the infomercials, there'd be pictures of like young men having this huge slice of pizza. And they're okay because they sprinkled the pizza with sensor. And they're now going to lose weight. Absolutely ridiculous. But here's the thing. Sometimes we are consuming things in our lives and we're sprinkling it with a little bit of Jesus. We're sprinkling it with a little bit of prayer. We're sprinkling it with a little bit of church. I've got some church, I was going to say there. I've got some illustrations this morning. Adam, can you hold up my onion? The onion is you, okay? Now the onion is doing bad things. The onion is doing sinful things. The onion is an addict. The onion is sleeping around. The onion is addicted to gossip. The onion is addicted to negativity, to problems, is a slave to sin. And we think, well, no, it's okay. It's okay. Because we're going to sprinkle it a little bit with Jesus. And it, Oh, that's a lot of sprinkle. Maybe we come to church every week. Oh, we'll be fine because we're going to sprinkle it with Jesus. And I think this was the attitude of these people. Well, you know, the, the whole thing, well, we, we've got some religion here and it's going to be fine. Because if we sprinkle our lives with a bit of, bit of religion, then, it, then it, it's going to be good. But you see, Jesus taught, taught about a radical change that needs to happen. He said, listen, it's no good sprinkling your lives with me. You need to be pickled in me. Yeah, you can. That's fine. Thanks, Ed. And the question is this morning is are you, are you taking your life, maybe your sin, your problems, your struggles, and there's just a, this bit of a mentality that says, well, you know, it's okay because I go to church, I do these things, I sprinkle myself with a little bit of Jesus dust, and it's all going to be fine. That is not the Christian path. The Christian path is one of these little onions that says, you know, we are the onion. Jesus is the, the pickle juice. What is pickle juice? Vinegar. Okay, I should know that, really. I think I should know that. Jesus, I am the, pic- the, the onion. You are the vinegar. The longer... The, the longer Jesus, and, and the more I can, I can abide in you, I can live in you, I can surround myself in you, I can immerse myself in you. Jesus, your, your vinegar, your spirit will begin to permeate me and change me from the inside out. That's how we're, that's how we're free. 
That's what Jesus is saying. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. He's saying, if you pickle yourself, when you get to heaven, he's going to say that to you. You know when Gareth says, I thought that was a really good and I might use that next time. Pickle is what we need to be. Not sprinkling. Does that make sense? People on the right? Okay, people on the left? I'm not going to the middle. Okay. Hey. I've made a, a slight error there that my wife's sitting in the middle, so... Now, now here, here, here's something I want to say. Okay, and th- this was I was, I was praying with my dog this morning, and this this just came to me. Okay, and I want to get this right. Jesus is making this statement: if we have habitual sin in our life, then we are slaves. Okay, I've got that, Jesus. Now, here's, here's I want to flip that round. I want to flip that round. If you have habitual sin in your life, it's like a sign, it's like a red light, it's like an alarm going off that you are not pickled in Jesus. Let me talk about this. When God made Adam and Eve, okay, he took took their souls and their spirits and he put them in a container. He put them in a body. Now, when you read Genesis, it's interesting because the body, right? I don't know why I grabbed my boob there, but anyway, the body. <laughs> what's this? Needed something to sustain it in everlasting life. Let me put this put put this way. How many people know the sun is dying? I don't want to alarm anybody this morning, but the sun is dying, okay? It's going to die in like 3,000 billion years, so we don't need to panic just yet, but the sun is dying. When, When God created the sun, now some of you are going to really, I'm going to get some emails this week about this, okay? But this is just my, as I read Genesis, this is what I feel the text is saying, okay? When God made the sun, he created something that had a sense of death within it. Now the sun's okay because the sun just lasts a long time. So we're not worried about the sun. But when he made Adam and Eve, he he put the real Adam and Eve, the unseen thing, the spirit and the soul, and he put it into a body that needed something to sustain it in everlasting life. So that when, I can see people (laughs) doing the, hmm, yeah, hang on. Just, Just stick with me. Okay, so when Adam and Eve sinned, God had to prevent access to that thing. It was called the tree of life, okay? There was something in the garden called the tree of life that actually Adam and Eve had to go to to sustain them physically. Thank you. Amen. No, no, one amen. Right. What am I trying to say? What has this got to do with sin and slavery? What I'm saying is this, is that when God made Adam and Eve, he put something within our bodies that signified we need to keep coming back to God. That God, he is the one who sustains us. If we are in relationship with him, we will have everlasting life. That the moment sin came into the world, 
God had to put a barrier around the tree of life. But he wanted us basically to depend on him, is what I'm saying in a long, very roundabout way. We can all agree with that, can't we? Even if we don't agree with what I just said about the sun dying. Okay? So, what am I talking about here? If there is something, if there is something of death within you, and a habit of sin is something of death, okay? It is a sign, it is an alarm that you need to throw yourself on God again. Can, I, I, I need some people. Paul, Sam, Ben, come, come out the front here, okay? Right. Sam. Hi, Sam. Otherwise known as Chris. Right, uh, Paul, can you come and hold this? Just uh, just hold that, that end, okay? Right, can you guys grab, grab an end there? Thank you, Sam. Otherwise known as Chris. Thank you, Ben. Can you just um, sort of... Okay, right. So, um, I, I want this to sort of represent the, the journey of life, okay? Now, we said a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, submit to God... Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What I'm saying is, if you are on the right path in life, okay, there there comes a point where Jesus, he does set you free. And you are to live in freedom. And if you continue to surrender to him, to submit to God, to resist the devil, it's like walking down a path in life where just things will become enlarged. Things will just become maximized. There's a sense that God brings you into freedom. Yeah? Can we agree with that? That's good. But if we are resisting God and submitting to the devil, okay, resist the devil and he will flee from you, kind of tells me that if you're not resisting the devil, he's going to stick around you. Yeah? I mean, it's, it's really, in, even listening to Adam read from Galatians this morning, time and time again, the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians, to Christians, to the church, and he's saying things like, stand firm. Stand firm. Why would he tell us to stand firm? It's because if we're buckling, there's going to be consequences. If you hold to my teaching, if you're not holding to the teaching of Jesus, you are going this way down the path. And the the, the sense of, of the enemy coming around you and restricting you and enslaving you will become greater and greater the further down this path you will go. We've all gone very quiet again. Now, here's the great thing, is that every, at every point along this path, God loves you. At every point along this, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're going this way, you're running this way like Linford Christie, or you're going this way. It doesn't matter where you are on this path, at every single point, God loves you. And because he loves you, because he loves you, if you are walking in this direction, there are consequences there comes restriction. There, there, there comes difficulties. Can, can you imagine if there was no consequence in our lives? 
that we were free to do whatever we wanted to do. Where, where would that path lead up? Well, we said it a couple of weeks ago. Pride comes before, not a fall, it comes before destruction. That God knows if we are walking this way down the path, man, he doesn't want us to get to destruction. So he will bring some consequences and some death to, to Peter. He saw the pride and he said, Peter, mate, there's going to need to be some sifting. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. And through that, pro- through that process of, of difficulty and even, even death, God brought about his purposes And was able to deliver Peter from his pride. Thanks, guys. You did great. That was awesome. Thanks, Sam. Otherwise known as Chris. I can, uh, two things. It's time. I talk a lot, don't I? What's going on? Um, Two things. Let's get the first thing. Go to the second thing. Right. Let's imagine. Let's imagine you are living in rented accommodation and your landlord is pants. I mean, beyond pants, he's evil. He's evil. Every month, he hikes up the rent. Every month, he refuses to fix things. Your, your house is becoming a place where it, it's not even healthy or safe to live in because this house is, is, is under disrepair and, and there, is, there is a sense of, of, of bondage coming because of what your landlord is doing. Okay, you got the picture, yeah? Rats going, you don't, some of you don't even need to think very hard about that one. Rats running around your house, cockroaches. It is just a horrible place to live. One day, and when, and when, and when the landlord comes around, there's a beating on the door as he comes to collect his rent. And he says, you owe me money, come on. And you know his knock because it's hard and it's heavy and it's like aggressive. One day, a gentle tap comes on the door. You open the door, somebody you don't recognize. And this person says, I am your new landlord. I'm your new landlord. I've bought, I've bought this property from the other guy. I'm, I'm aware that he wasn't a great landlord. I don't want to come in. I want to fix up your house. I'm actually going to pay your rent because I know that you've been overcharged. So for the next 10 years, I'm going to allow you to live rent-free in this accommodation. And whilst this happens, whilst you're going around the house and you're telling this amazing, wonderful landlord, can you please fix this? Can you deal with the rats? Can you deal with the cockroaches? As, as you're showing him around and he's beginning to take out his, his tool bag and begin to fix things and sort things out, there's another knock on the door and you recognize the knock. It's the old landlord. And you open the door And the old landlord says, incorrectly, he speaks a lie and he says, I have come to get the rent. What do you do? You slam the door in his face and you tell him to get lost. You do, don't you? And I want to say this, worship team, come forward. Because we've got 35 seconds to do an amazing amount of response in. 
I want to tell you this. Jesus has come into your life. He has come into your home and he has fixed up your home. He doesn't even charge you rent. He's not a God that says you have to pay for the fixes that I bring. And he has brought you into a beautiful home, into a beautiful life where you live. That where you are under the control of somebody different, Satan, and he was bringing death and destruction and bondage and slavery. Jesus has now come for those who have given their hearts to him and said, you can live in a new place. But here's the thing. Sometimes the old landlord, he comes knocking on the door. Here's the question this morning. Are you going to open the door? Are you going to let him in? Are you going to believe him? Some of us have done that. That even though legally we don't belong to him, we have opened the door. We have allowed him in. We've given him influence. And we are now slaves to something. It may not be our whole life, but there may be an area of our life where we're in bondage. And Jesus just comes this morning and he said, why, why did you ever let him in? I'm your landlord. I'm your God. I love you. Just kick him out. It's as simple as that. Kick him out.